Sometimes used to be discussing uh, characters in Tanakh, really, people in Tanakh. Uh, but uh, I want to make an exception today. I'll say Yana Diyama to talk about somebody in the times of the Mishnahists instead. And I want to talk about Rabbi Akiva. Now, obviously, the stories that everyone knows of Rabbi Akiva are famous. The story of how he began his career and what brought him to, to change direction and to go and learn. The story of the fact that 24,000 Talmudim, which is the biggest uh, number we ever find in the Tanoim. We're going to talk about the amount of Talmudim someone has, the size of the yeshiva, or maybe a string of yeshivas, it seems. But 24,000 is a tremendous amount. Today we don't have any yeshiva anywhere close to 24,000 people. And uh, I, don't, I don't think there has been since the time of Rabbi Akiva. Uh, when we talk about the size of the yeshivas of Babel, for example, so the Gemara talks about a thousand students, eight hundred students, that was considered a big yeshiva. Twenty-four thousand is something which surpasses everything we have. And then, of course, the tragic death of Rabbi Akiva. So, one could look at all of these stories as separate events in his life, which was Rabbi Akiva lived at a very tumultuous time in Jewish history he was a witness to the Khurban of the second Beis HaMikdash and was killed later in the uprising or in the Roman persecution as part of the uprising in Beitar uh, but there was something more to it which is maybe beneath the surface but uh, we can use it to understand better uh, better the what Rebekah was trying to achieve and therefore, all of these pieces of information fit together to, to, to show us a certain kav, a certain approach to understanding what, you can't call it his mission, but let's say the, the mission that Rabbi Akiva took for himself. So let's start with a discussion in the Gemara and Avodah about two different Tanoim. But it's very negative to what we want to talk about because they lived at the same time as Rabbi Akiva and we have to say which way did he hold. The Gemara in the Zara tells us the story of Hanani bin Trajan. Of Hanani bin Trajan who was also one of the ten Arugi Malchus. And the Gemara says that Rabbi Yesi bin Kisma called him in and he said, you know the Romans made a decree not to teach Torah publicly and I hear that you publicly defying the Roman decree and teaching Torah publicly. And Rabbi Yes and Harachanani have been trying to design so it's right. I am. So Rabbi Yes even kissed tells him, don't you realize that the, if the Romans are in power, they have a certain they have a certain strength, they can do things. And if you go into public and define them, you're going to get killed. So Rabbi Khanani bin Trajan's answer was then the Shamaim Yirachamu. Hashem la Rachamu Mami. So Rabbi Yes even Kisma says, I'm telling you something, and you might dvarm shall time. And he told me, I'll be surprised if you don't get burnt, together, burnt alive together with the Sefer Torah that you're teaching for. Which, as you know, is what happened to him. He was caught by the Romans, and the penalty that they gave him was they made a bonfire, they wrapped the Sefer Torah around him, and they burnt Rechonadi bin Trajan together with the Torah. So it would seem from that Gemara that Rabbi bin Kesem was right. Now, that is, Rechonadi bin Trajan shouldn't have been. 
publicly defying the Roman ban on teaching Torah. And he was punished for it, so to speak, by being, by being burnt with the Torah. And yet, in the same door exactly, we find Rabbi Akiva did exactly the same thing. Rabbi Akiva also taught Torah Barabim. And he, the Gemara there tells us a different story. And the Gemara says that there was a certain influential Jew at the time, his name was Chapus, Chapus ben Yehuda. And he says to Rabbi Akiva, but you can teach in Torah Barabim, you're going to get killed for it. The Romans have put a death penalty on teaching Torah Barabim. And Rabbi Akiva famously tells him the story of the fish in the river. And he says that there were fish in the river and there were fishermen who were trying to fish them. So obviously the fish were very worried. They're going to get, escape the net. As the fox comes along and says, Fish, why are you... I've got an idea for you. Instead of uh, trying to avoid the nets in the river, why don't you just jump out the river and come with me and you know, we'll run in the forest. And the fish says to the, fo- the fox, I think he's thinking you're clever. In the water we, have a ch- we, we, we need the water to survive. So here's a chance to avoid the nets. But if you're going to get out of the water, we're going to for sure die. And the Gemara brings the story the Marshal Rabbi Akiva and he says to Papas when you're there, he says, so if we're going to teach Torah, okay, so the, 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 the fishermen want to trap us. But that's where we're going to live from. If we're going to leave the Torah, then for sure we're going to die. And what happens is Rabbi Akiva gets caught with teaching Torah and he lands up in jail. And Papas gets lands up in the same jail. And Papas sees Rabbi Akiva and he says, Ashrech Rabbi Akiva shinit fast al Torah. That you're here for being caught for teaching Torah. Now, if you can't compare these two stories in the, to, in the Gemara to each other, it seems that the give and take of the conversation was very similar. In both cases, the, the Tani in question decided to define the Romans and teach Torah. In both cases, he was questioned, why are you doing that? And, in, and actually, in both times, uh, in the end, uh, the Tana got killed or Kiddush Hashem. Both Rabbi Kiva and Rukhani bin Trajan were two of the ten Arugimachas. And yet, the way the Gemara brings the story, in the one in the case of Rabbi Kiva, the Kiddush celebrates that he was doing what's right. That if we're going to leave the water, we're going to die straight away. So, of course, we have to keep, keep, keep teaching Torah, even though we're facing the threat of being caught and killed by the Romans. And if you look at the story of Rukhani bin Trajan, so the way the Gemara presents it looks like he was wrong. And therefore, Rabbi Yosef ben Kisim was right, and he, was, he told him, you're going to get punished with it, and he did. So what's the difference? What's the difference between them? Uh, and when you go back to the slogan of Rabbi ben Trajan, you see there that the Gemara says, not just, he says you're going to get killed, Rabbi Yosef ben gives a whole introduction. He says, This nation, Hashem obviously wanted them to be in control. He gave him the right to burn the base of Mikdash. He gave him the right to, uh, so to speak, to enslave Klai Yisrael, to oppress Klai Yisrael. And if that's the case, they can carry out their decrees. So, how are we meant to understand? What was the right thing to do? What was the wrong thing to do? What was really the discussion over here? And this, uh, this is the backstory. This we have to understand is the, discu- the, what this, the understanding behind the understanding behind what the story of the Gemara tells us. And that is, all the Tanoim knew that. All the Tanoim knew that the Romans, obviously, there was Xerah, and we were in Godless Adam, and the Romans were in control, and they had all witnessed and had all seen the Chorban. So they were aware of what the Romans were allowed to do in Hashemai. The question was, what's the way to get out of the Godless of Rome? We're stuck in a situation of Godless. What's the way we're going to free ourselves from Godless? Because if you guys are just going to resign ourselves to the fact that all right, we're, we're, we were, for whatever reason, 
punished and we were given into the hands of the Romans, a particularly bloodthirsty and uh, cruel nation. So we're just going to continue to suffer. We're going to surrender. What are we meant to do? And if that's the case, the question really is going to start with on the Rukhni level. On the spiritual level, what what koyach, what schusim can we get, can we get in order to overcome the gzer, in order to so to speak free ourselves from subjugation to the Romans? Now, what are, what's the obvious answer which comes to mind? So the obvious answer which comes to mind, and it's always klai Yisrael's koyach, as exactly what the pasuk says. If you're talking about Rome, then we know Rome is Adam, with the children of Esau, and we're Klai Yisrael, the children of Yaakov. And if that's the case, we have the precedent. The Torah tells us, Hakol Kol Yaakov, which means if you're trying to overcome the hands of the Romans, the strength, the physical strength, the brute force of Rome, it's going to need Kol Yaakov. It's going to need the voice of Yaakov, and if that we translate as Kol Yaakov, like Chazal says, it's a Gemara. And it's brought in Rashi in the Pasuk as well. The sound, the Torah of Yaakov is what's going to be needed to overcome the strength of Esav. And if that's the case, so it's true, Esav also realized that, which is why they forbade learning Torah and the penalty of the death penalty. But if that's the case, so then we understand. The way that Tanaim looked at it is, if we're going to have to create schus, enough schus, to overcome Esav, it's going to have to be with the schus of the Torah. It's going to be after we have the source of Torah, and if that's the case, then it's true it's against the Roman order. But what other option do we have? The way we're going to have to work on overcoming Rome altogether, breaking free from the yoke of Rome, is by increasing the amount of Torah learning. And if that would be the starting point of what the Tanoim felt, so it wasn't just an individual act of heroism to show that I don't care about the Romans, I'm going to let myself get killed. No, this was the attempt to try and overcome Rome. This is what was necessary in order to try and break the power of Rome. Because we don't have any other koyach. Militarily, they never thought for a moment we're going to defeat Rome in war. There were those who did think like that. Whether it was the Biryonim at the time of the Khurban, whether it was Bar Kokhba's army 60 years later, they thought they could take on Rome as a military power and fight and win, uh, so to speak, in military confrontation. The Tanoim never thought for a second that it was going to work. Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai, the, the door before, two doors before, in the time of the Chorba, didn't think it was going to work. And similarly, in the time of Bar Kochba, the Tanaim didn't think it was, that was going to help. Rome was stronger. They had legions from around the world. They didn't think that was the way to go. But, nevertheless, if there is going to be a way, then to try and fight against being dominated and being suppressed and being oppressed by the Romans, so then what the Tanaim thought is, Umazu uh, Enkoycha and we have the, our way to do it is to go is by, through the Torah. And therefore, to be Michael Kahilas to teach Torah, to teach Torah Barabim, was a way to try and generate enough schusim to overcome Rome. So that would be the starting point of what the Tanoim were doing by teaching Torah publicly. So then, obviously, we, we need to understand two things. Number one, we, we need to understand why Yosef bin Kisma, who was also a Tana, didn't think it was a good idea. And how does he answer Bekiva's argument? And that is, well, if we're the fish are in danger when they're in the water, so then of course they're going to die when they're out the water. How would he answer that argument? But number two, what would have been the right thing to do? Why didn't it work? Why didn't it work? Okay, so let's start with the first question first. 
Let's start with the first question first. That will bring us to the second point. What is the question? What was the discussion between the Tanoim? We find the Tanoim who said to the Chaim bin Trajan that you shouldn't be doing this. You're going to get killed for it. Well, if this was a, a desperate attempt to try and, and, and deserve to be, give, you know, to be, to be redeemed from Rome, to be freed from Rome, so what's he doing wrong? Why, why would there be a time of saying not to do it? And what would the alternative be? So the answer is like this. This is the insight. Everybody agreed. No one argued. That, and this is, this, this is the golden principle in every goddess. And that is that if Klai Yisrael collectively would be learning Torah, so then for sure we'd be saved. There'd be no question about that. And we had a precedent for that. And I always bring this because it's something which we need to learn from. The story of Sancheriv. Sancheriv uh, came to fight against Yerushalayim in his time. Sancheriv raised an army which in the times of Tanakh was staggering in its size. But the truth is, even in today's terms of military conflict, once again, there's no bigger army in world history than what the Novi has told us about the size of the army of Sancheriv. The biggest armed, the, the biggest, so, so to speak, army which ever went to war in recorded history we know about was the Soviet counter-attack, counter-attack against the Nazis in 1943 and obviously the whole the Soviet Union to gather every single soldier they could and along the whole front which was thousands of miles they fought the whole in operation for the whole way from the north of Latvia until the bottom of the Ukraine at the same time they had two and a half million soldiers fighting which was the biggest recorded force in history if you're going to say what the Navi says about the size of the army of Sancheriv, which fought against Yerushalayim, so it talks about it talks about 185,000 generals, not soldiers. 185,000 generals. Now, even assuming that each of those generals had just had 10 soldiers in their command, we're talking about 18 million soldiers. So we're talking about an enormous sized army. 1.8 million, sorry. If they had more than that, then uh, we're talking about an enormous, enormous army. Now, and all centered in one place, against Yerushalayim. What was uh, the king of the time, Cheskiel, he didn't, he didn't have a hope he was going to fight. He didn't have anything like that, not in the terms of cavalry, not in terms of fighting power, not in terms of soldiers. What did Cheskiel do? So we know. He got the entire Jewish people to sit and learn Teriyam Valad. The Gemara says he put a sword outside the base Medrash. And he said anybody who leaves is going to get impaled. And the question is, does it mean he was going to actually impale them? Or was he just showing them, you know, Sancheriv is outside with a lot of swords. If you're not going to learn, then you're going to have to face Sancheriv's uh, army outside. But it worked. The entire Jewish people sat and learned Yom Belayla. And Hashem did a nice, and Sancheriv's army was wiped out, even before they attacked. They had camped the night before Islam to prepare their onslaught the next day. That night, Hashem destroyed them, killed them in their sleep. Out of that whole army of 185,000 generals, three people survived. Maybe four. That's it. They didn't do anything more. So we already had the precedence. If you're fighting an army which is way, way stronger than you in military terms, and you don't have a hope how to fight, our, result, our, our only option is the Torah. Now, Chesriyah used that effectively, and he got the whole Jewish people to the Torah, and Hashem took care of them. And if that's the case, when it came to trying to fight against Rome, Rome again was a vastly superior military force. But what's the Kayach we're going to use against Rome? It has to be the Kayach of the Torah. But now here becomes the critical question, and that is, how many people's Torah do we need? 
how strong does that Kayach Torah have to be to balance Ram? Because if you could pull off what Chizkiyahu pulled off, if you could get the entire Jewish people to learn Torah, then no one needs focus. For sure it's going to work. The question is, was it something, in other words, was there a way to try and bring and get enough people to publicly defy the Romans and learn Torah that would tip the scales? Yeah, and that was you that was. Or however much everyone has to be, How, are we, is, is it going to work? Is it going to work to try and bring everybody to the table? Let's say, well, at least enough of cholesterol to the table. Everyone's just going to be that. It will be successful, and the Torah learning is going to overcome the Romans. And that was a discussion between the Tanaim and the Because on the one hand, well, if you're going to, that's why they didn't try and teach in, in, in hidden caves and in. Not, not, places we normally know about oh, no, Barabim, Barabim try to bring everybody bring everybody the more we can make it as big as possible because the more people we can bring to learn maybe we're going, that's going to bring up you know, add to the amount of people learning Torah which is going to be strong enough could that work or not? so this was, this was a discussion at the time between the two men. in other words was there a sad that Klaish would be able to do that or not be able to do that? now that's the like I said that's the background to what the discussion at the time was how do we know, or how did they know, when uh, times call for everyone trying to go learn in order to the skills, or do something like uh, a facilitator with all these kids? Okay, it's a good question. Let's let's just finish this first, and we can try to answer that. Okay, so then the, the next says I saw that was the discussion. Now. The Maharal writes in one place, in in previous years, that the Kaisal through our years of being in Goddess have have suffered many tragedies. The only one that there's a way, there's a public commemoration of the mourning for is Teshapav, the Basin Magdash. The aunt even though there were many other tragedies Kaleshra went through, we don't find that there's a time of the year we, we publicly, the entire Kaleshra, mourn other things which happened to Kaleshra, and there were many of them. The exception to that is Sphere That For everyone in Kaleshra, all the, the, the different Minhagim, exactly where, where, which part of the Sphere, but in the Sphere, everybody has some Minhagim Avelus because of the Tamidim of Rabbi Akiva. Why? Why was it worse than the Crusaders and the Spanish Inquisition and the Cossacks and the, a lot of other things which happened to Klai Israel too and here the, this wasn't even the Goyim they died in the Shemayim why was that something which uh, was so, so, so important that Klai Israel still warns them till today again I'm not saying it wasn't a tremendous tragedy but why was it something which had to be commemorated as a tragedy and the answer is like this the Maharazes that Rabbi Akiva's attempt to overcome Rome was by building his yeshivas, by bringing as many thousands of people as he could to learn. And when he had that koyach of so many thousands of people learning Torah, so he thought, this is the mahalach, we're going to keep this going, we're going to mold it more, we're going to develop it enough until this is going to be the force which is going to overcome the Romans. This is going to become the force which is going to come overcome the Romans. And when all those Talmudim died in the Shemaim, that was the end of that potential. The ability to, to mobilize enough people learning 
to overcome Ram, died, the dream died with the death of Rabbi Kiva's Tamid. And that's what he says, the Gemara says, when the Tamid dies, the world got destroyed. Which means that the attempt to try and overcome Ram by bringing enough people to learn Torah, the attempt failed. And the question is, why did it fail? If 24,000 people learning is a tremendous amount of people, why did it fail? And this is the Yisait. Chazal said in four words, but the Yisait is like this. And that is, it goes back to the original reason why the, why the Romans were more powerful than us in the first place. Because, why do we deserve the Chorba? And we know, Chazal tells us the Gemara in Yom, and everyone knows it, it's because of the sin chinam that there was between Klai Yisrael at the time, factionalism, whatever it's going to be. And if that's the case, so then Hashem chose Rome as the one to be the, the one to punish us. And it's never random. When Hashem punishes Klai Yisrael for a certain area, and He chooses a certain nation to be the ones that carry out, there's a reason why that, those are the ones chosen. And the reason why Rome was chosen was because they're the best example of sin chinam. Because Esav and Yaakov were brothers. And Esav has spent thousands of years hating us for nothing. And therefore, if Hashem wants to show us, Klai Yisrael, you're brothers, and you're hating yourself for nothing, He's going to bring Esav, the brother who hates us for nothing. And that was the original reason for the Chorban. And if you're trying to make a cohesive force of Torah to overcome that, then it's only going to work if it's a cohesive force. And if there's going to be divisions between the people that are you trying to bring together on your team, it's not going to work together. And therefore, if you learn which means through those, those thousands and thousands of Talmudim, but between them themselves, there wasn't a, a, enough of an achtos. So then it's not a force which is a combined force. It's a lot of individuals. Just like you can imagine, if we're going to have a lot of soldiers going to battle, but each man, it's like each man for himself, take a gun and run and fight, you're not going to get anywhere. If you're going to work as an army, it has to be a cohesive army. You have to work together. So the same thing was over here. Rebbe Kiva could have gotten these thousands and thousands of swimming to learn. And if we'd been part of one force, we're all working together, it would have been a very powerful force. But if no one's working together, it's every man for himself. So then it doesn't have that koyach of a rabbin. And if it doesn't have that koyach of a rabbin, then it's not going to be strong enough to overcome Esau. And that's why Rebbe Kiva himself realized this. And that's why Rebbe Kiva says, and it's brought down, Rebekiva said his, his motto, the one who best remember Rebekiva for, but his motto was, that's the Pasuk, but Rebekiva said, it's a klal godel It's a klal godel in Torah too. If you want the Torah to be powerful, then you have to have the haflerecha kamecha. That's what makes, that's a klal godel in the Torah also. If you want, that, that makes the Torah learning stronger. And that was the difference. What Rebekiva's answer was, why are you risking your life and uh, the, uh, publicly disobeying the Romans? Rebekiva said, this is our life. And the answer was, he thought this would work. He thought this would work. He would be able to bring a Naftal to the table. He would be able to counter the force of, of Rome with uh, a Naftar. Rebbe Chanan ibn Trajja wasn't in that position. He also thought her, but he didn't have that Koch of Rebbe Akiva of thousands and thousands of Talmud. And that's what Rebbe Yisim and Kismet told him. He said, you're, you're risking your life for nothing. You're going to get killed because you don't have the ability to try even to get to the critical amount of people learning Torah that's going to overcome Rome. Right. 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 And not being able to says it, and not being able because they weren't going to do it right. So made it. Now that was the Rebekah's first campaign. Rebekah's first campaign, and that was to try and bring a force of terror to overcome Rome and like we said it failed not because Rabbi Kiva wasn't the man to do it Mitzidah he could have done it 
or it failed because the Talmudim weren't working together. And if that's the case, there wasn't a cohesion. And again, there is also this. There is a right that uh, the importance of before a person learns, learns whatever it is, after Hakomecha, because when a person is part of a force, so then it gives the synergy and it's multiple kind of everyone together. But everyone's working on their own against everybody else or into, as an individual. It doesn't have the kayak. Yechidim learning don't have the kayak. It was the, the rabbim learning which has the power. And that's what uh, we lost. That's why there's a, a certain level of availus now in the, in the sphere. Because what would have been the potential way to overcome the Romans at the time, which is a goddess we still until today, we lost that because of this, uh, the same reason why they, we lost the Mesa Mikdash. The same sin as Khinim affected the Kayak of our territory. That's what we wanted to talk about so today. We lost the potential, or is the idea that the Akiva's immediate didn't, didn't work out because they did their long with each other? So we lost that chance, opportunity. Right. right. That was the first part of Rabbi Akiva's career. Um is the second part also. Rakiva didn't give up. The Gemara says that after all the Talmudim died, then Rakiva tried again. He went to find five Talmudim and he started teaching them also. Now there was no way in the world that five Talmudim was going to overcome Rome. He didn't even try. There wasn't the attempt. There was a sec Rabakiva had plan B. Time's up tomorrow we'll go right so we'll talk about the second part of Rabakiva's mission. Sorry? Wait for tomorrow.